What's up, guys? Welcome to the first ever episode 177 of the Kind of Funny Games cast. As always, I'm Tim Gettys, joined by Jared Petty. Doki Doki, my friends. One half of the coolest dudes in video games, Greg Miller, is out in Montreal uh, doing what he does best, which is eating a lot of food and hanging out with Jen. Oh, um, champ, come back yeah. to America. He's got to come. He'll be back. Even He'll as we back. speak, he's at a meetup right now. Right, literally right now, moment. he's doing a meet and greet in, in Montreal. Late. Yeah, of course. Yeah, he of was course. like trapped in his car, unable mm-hmm. to escape. That's hard. I hate traffic. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Kind of Funny Games cast each and every week right here on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games. We get together and talk about video games, all the things that we love about them. You can get the show on YouTube. You can watch it live by supporting us on Patreon.com slash Kind of Funny Games. You can get the show early uh, on Fridays, or you can wait and get it for free on Mondays at 9 a.m. on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games. Uh, the reason you can get this show free, if you choose to do that, is because of the support of amazing people on Patreon. Patreon producers like Tom Bach and Eric Heitz. Two men that I had an awesome time hanging out with at Kind of Funny Prom. Kevin's clapping. I was Kevin's very excited clapping. to meet Tom Bach face Tom to face. Tom Bach is the fucking man. Yep. Eric is the fucking homie. Yep. It's just, his suit was looking so good. He had this. What, like, was, what suit did Eric have? Uh, Eric had just a dope ass jacket and then a button up all over print, very Tim Gettys approved Nicktoons thing. Oh, I with saw a him. A whole bunch of different Nicktoons going oh, on. Oh, that's that. Okay, that's, that's the same Eric. No kidding. Oh, okay, yeah. Man, that prom, that was something else. I haven't that really been around for the post prom happiness, but yeah. Lord in heaven, I had just about the best time at prom I have oh, yeah. had doing anything. Shout what do you got for me, Big Kev? I was going to say shout outs to Anna Bach for nailing the shout Madonna. To, shout out to Tom Bach's wife. Or what, what was Anna Bach singing? She was dressed as Madonna. She was dressed as Madonna. I, didn't, I don't think I ran it. into and, and it was fantastic. That's spectacular. You know, I want to get just right into it, Jay. All right, let's just hop in. right into it. You've been okay. playing some video games. I don't know a couple of these. Uh-oh. What the fuck is Tales of the Tiny Planet? Tales, Tales of the Tiny Planet was a surprising delight. Uh, so every now and then, Tim, I have this uh, fun little habit where I'll open up a marketplace on one of my consoles or on my PC, and I'll just start looking around at new releases and looking for stuff I've never heard of. So I did this on PlayStation 4 uh, just this week. I just started going through and go down a little bit and like, okay, nothing this week, back a little bit. And I come across this happy little smiling planet, Tales of the Tiny Planet. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. And I broke my own rule of purchasing. I read no reviews. I looked nothing up. I just said, I'm going to impulsively buy and try this little indie game. Mm-hmm. And I did. And it's really fun. Tales of the Tiny Planet is marvelously simple. I believe it's a mobile port, although I don't know that for sure because I still haven't looked this up, really. But Tales of the Tiny Planet op- uh, is operated entirely with one button. That's how you play the game. So I'm sitting there on my PS4, and absolutely everything in the game is controlled by one button. It's very simple. You have a cute little planet with a happy smiley face. He's got to get to a goal somewhere on the level. There's gravity in this world, so everything kind of pulls him down. He rolls, sort of like Loco Roco style. Mm, He's just rolling, right? There are certain parts of the stage that are movable. It was a mobile game. It was a mobile game. Okay, so there's certain parts of the stage. It was great on PlayStation. works really well there. Certain parts of the stage that are movable. By pressing the button and holding it, I can move those parts of the stage. And it's kind of like sensitive, so I can move it partway, let go, it drops back. But when I press that button, it moves every part of the stage that's mobile at the same time. What that means is that simple things like opening and closing doors, raising elevators, those are easy. But when I have to raise the elevator while making sure the spinner doesn't lock, while making sure the spikes don't flip around, while making sure I still have the bridge to cross, all it, and I'm using that one button, look, playing what I'm doing right now while looking ahead on a timer, trying to three-star it. If I wait too long, my little planet just explodes in a cry of agony, and then I move on to the next stage. That's it. It's simple. 
it's cute. The little planet just goes every now and then. It is not revolutionary, but it is a very fun video game. How much is it? Uh, I think I paid like eight bucks for it. Oh, something wow. like that. Yeah, I thought. Uh, yeah, somewhere around that area. But I think that honestly, I'm shocked when I have to pay anything less than eight bucks for a video game. Looking at what it costs to produce independent games, I can't believe anybody sells anything for less than 15. Um, because that may sound horrific when we consider what goes into a $60 game. If you think that $15 means you should get a quarter of a $60 game, then you're not supporting a realistic economic market for independent game development because the fact of the matter is they sell so few copies relative to most other people with the exception of breakouts like Undertale or Stardew Valley that they have to charge that much money just to eat Mm. or to pay back what they spend on the game. Hmm. Uh, we've got to be able to be willing to pay more for independent games if we want to continue to have a variety of them exist, unless we're comfortable with the idea that people just lose everything making these, mm-hmm. um, which is what's happening to some folks. So I try to pay a little more. And again, some of that, I, I'm like, oh, no, I'm so noble. No, I'm also allowed the economic freedom to pay a little more because you know certain game purchases are tax deductible for me because of what I do for a living <laughs> and things like that. I get codes sometimes. I'm not trying to be like, I'm so, but I do think it's important to financially support independent developers. So Tales of the Tiny Planet gets the Jared thumbs up. It does. It's good. Okay. Uh, I like it. It's not like, you're not going to be like, this is the slickest cool, but it is totally a fun little game. And I like it on my PS4 and cool. go home, play it some more. It also has a little co-op mode. You can play with somebody mm-hmm. else and both sit there and control parts of the level. So we got some fighting games we want to talk about. Yeah. Here. We got Blaze Blue Cross Tag Battle. Indeed, Blaze Blue Cross Tag Battle. So Blaze Blue games are really good consistently. You ever play any of them? I, I played Guilty Gear a lot back in the day mm-hmm. when Blaze Blue came out. I, I for whatever reason, uh, I think maybe I didn't have the right the console that it came okay. out on because uh, it was an arcade game originally, right? Yeah, yeah, that's where or, I first played it. Was or arcade. was it the other way? Like, I, was this one of the cases where it was console first and then went to arcade? All I can tell you is that I started playing it in the arcade when I lived in Japan. Uh, okay. Prior to that, I don't have a deep history with it. My I never understand. It. I am not a fighting game Much. hardcore guy. I'm a video game player that plays a lot of fighting games, Mm -hmm. but I'm not good at them and I'm not part of that community and I don't know a lot about them. Mm -hmm. That's my answer. So I played Blaze Blue originally on uh, arcade. There've been many, many versions since. I've played several of those. Arc System Works does a great job with fighting games. This is kind of baby's first fighting game. Okay. Um, Have you you played this at all? I haven't played it at all. I I wanna give a shout out to Arc System Works because their games are beautiful and they Mm -hmm. still do the pixel-based awesome animations and, and all of that. You know, and that's what I, I was so drawn to with Guilty Gear. I loved the soundtrack and I loved the the look of the games in a time when, you know, Street Fighter 3 uh, is probably my favorite looking Street Fighter game. It's a really game. good looking game. And, you know, once we get to 4 and stuff and 5, like, yeah, sure, they're beautiful, but it's just like it doesn't have that same kind of like video game aesthetic to it. I agree with you. Yeah. The, and, and the thing about this that you want to know is that we're not talking about retro here. These games don't look old. Yeah. They oh, look no, no, no. Beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. Just beautiful. They're art. Super fluid, super great. And what I love about, so this game specifically is it's, it's a crossover game. It's not just a crossover between two different things. It's right. a bunch of different yeah, persona, persona characters. Yeah. The persona there's, fighting game characters are in Ruby there. characters. Yeah. Like, like all four of the Ruby girls, two of them, uh, start off in the game, I think it's uh, Ruby and Weiss, and then Blake and Yang are free DLC that mm-hmm. you can get. And I'm just like, it's to me, being so close to Rooster Teeth and so close to the Ruby project, yeah. I can't believe that they're in an actual fighting game. Yeah, uh, a top-tier fighting, top fighting game. And it's it's really cool to see. Yeah, and Crestwick Battle, when I called it Baby's First Fighting Game, I didn't mean for that to be derivative, by the way. Or, or not derivative, pardon me. I didn't mean for that to be pejorative. I need mm-hmm. to learn how to use words. Um, <laughs> the, the fact of the matter is, 
is that that Crosstag is designed to be accessible without sacrificing depth. Mm -hmm. And so it's a fighting game that you can learn the fundamentals of other fighting games through playing. Okay. It's a good teaching tool. But it's also a explain, game that explain do, that a little more. Like what are you talking less about? Less complex controls. That's really what it comes down to. You can still learn about the defensive and offensive principles, about space, about how to how to try to anticipate what an opponent's doing, about how to pull off combos. You can learn that, but can you learn it in an environment where the complexity of control and understanding the nuance of your character is less obtuse. Fighting mm -hmm. games are mostly now made, with the exception of Injustice and Mortal Kombat, and even those to a degree, made for fighting game fans. There's an established market of people that have been playing these games for a long time, know them well. Um, this game is designed with all the things those players appreciate and understand about those games intact to some degree, but also a simplified scheme for control and comprehending how to win. Just two characters to switch out. Just a limited number of moves per character. You can get your head around it. It's sort of like when we played Street Fighter II way back in the day, and you instantly kind of understood what you were trying to do, even if you sucked. Because the characters kind of fall. I mean, there's the basic moves, but then even when you add the specials, the characters all kind of fall into buckets of... You know, you're either you either have the quarter circle punches or you have the charges. Yeah. And you play these guys and you're like, you can just look at this game and like pick a character because you think they look cool. Mm -hmm. Which is yeah. How, who do you remember the first time you played Street Fighter Two? I, I Chun Li was my girl. Okay. Always. So you saw. Why did you pick Chun Li first? I tend to play as girls in games. I don't okay. know. I played as Peach in Mario Two and mm -hmm. kind of just stuck from there. Also, the color blue. Big fan of it. Big fan. So Chun Li, I was just like. That's my girl. That's fantastic. Well, you popped in there and got Chin Lee, and you're like, and then you kept playing her mm -hmm. because she was fun. This game kind of has that feel. You're like, I'm that still bad, and I st I'm very bad with the charge characters. For some reason, I'm just not good at that, like the holding back, and mm -hmm. then you know, so like I can never play as Guile. Okay, you just can't do it at all. Mm -hmm. See, mm -hmm. Guile was my original. Uh, I gradually uh, moved over to Chun Lee, but Guile was my original. Street Fighter Two made fighting games both smooth and accessible, and we all kind of entered on the ground floor. Then people got really good at fighting games and it became impossible to play with friends that were good at them. This is a game that you and your friends can come in on the ground floor together on and spend many hours just figuring it out together and have fun. You're not gonna feel like you're missing the game. That reminds me of uh, back in the day playing Marvel vs. Capcom 2. Uh, with my friends, which that's a deep ass game, but you even when you're losing, you still feel like you're having fun and doing something. Yes, well, that is the most unbalanced, totally. glorious mess. I MVC two is is art. It is what I wish every video game were. Just I want like, it on Switch. Do you think that'll ever happen? I know there's so many licensing issues. Like they did the re-release on XBLA and, and PSN on last gen, and do they you think Disney down. cares enough to do it? I mean, that's Probably the problem not. is they own they own the Marvel characters now. I assume. I, yeah. I, I don't have depth in depth knowledge of this, but I'm not sure that Disney really cares enough to to let the eye of Sauron focus on that long enough. You know. When you have so much money at stake, it seems like it would be easier to let small projects happen, but in some ways it's harder because people care more about showing a $50 million profit mm -hmm. than a $5 million profit on their department. So stuff like this gets left behind. I don't know, it would be an ideal Switch game. I mean, I just got Street Fighter 30th on Switch and I cannot get enough of it. I think that MVC2, especially with good online, mm -hmm. 
perfect for oh, Switch. It'd be so great. Yeah, it really would. I just I'd want to come to work and do who are your who what's your team? MSG? My team, I mean again, I'm not good, but I just had a lot of fun. It was both Wolverines and Spider Man. Nice. Uh, I liked getting in there just with the quick fucking punches. I loved the way Spider Man looks when he was playing. So much. It's beautiful. It the is beautiful. And it introduced me to so many obscure Capcom and Marvel characters. Like that's where I learned about Thanos. And mm-hmm. that's where I learned about um whoever the fucking uh, Ruby not Ruby Rose, Red, Little Red Riding Hood, whatever she was. Oh, I forget. On the Capcom yeah, side. my brain. She's from Darkstalkers. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't know about Darkstalkers. Right and yeah. I became interested because I'm like, who the fuck's this Felicia Cat chick? I love Darkstalkers now. That's a big. Yeah. Are you, did you play fighting games back in the day? I, I enjoy, I'm kind of like what you're saying. You're way more into it than me. I enjoy fighting games a lot. I, I, uh, I pop into, for as bad of a port it is it as it is, the Street Fighter Two Ultra or whatever it is that they put out on Switch. Oh, I have that. It's one of the games I pop back into and just play through the arcade mode when I'm just laying in bed and I have an extra 30 minutes. Do you ever play that with a friend? Mm. Uh, have you ever done that mode? Angie no. and I do it sometimes. So there's a neat mode that's unique to that game where you, there's three fighters on screen. You, a teammate, and the enemy. Really? The two of you are ganging up on the third. Yeah, you, you, the, you work side by side. Crazy. You share a life bar. So Angie, so it's like you're you're like ganging up on Bison or something, Mm -hmm. but every time he hits one of you or throws one of you, you both take damage. Interesting. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, no, that sounds cool. Yeah, allows Angie and I to play a fighting game co-op with uh, with BlazBlue Cross Tag Battle. How does the gameplay compared to the traditional BlazBlue games? Uh, It's very pretty and fluid the way the traditional ones are, but it is simplified. You have a you have a more limited degree of options at least and again i understand that i'm not coming at this from the top tier fighting game expert Mm -hmm. perspective but what i see is simplified controls simplified execution of of more complex ideas but but enough going on that i'm thoroughly entertained it's not quite as nuanced mostly persona characters um i i I really love the arena games and so i've leaned really heavily into the persona stuff that's yeah have you played with the ruby characters at all uh, a little um and i again that's just they're not my characters actually yeah uh, yeah i i like the idea that i can hop in from like arena ultimax and feel like i'm right in there yeah and that there's a certain feel that's great it's not perfect by the way it's just a really good game yeah, and I want to get obviously. It some I mean, now I'm. I wasn't going to play it, but you're you're getting me excited. It's real about good. This. Yeah, and the yeah. switching fighters is fun because it's literally a one button switch. Yeah, it's just pop somebody's in, cool. pop somebody's in, or pop somebody runs in and delivers a smack to the back of the head and out. Is it three on three or two, two on, on two? Two, two, two on okay, two. Cool. Keep it simple. simple. Again, mm-hmm. that's it. It's like it's like all the stuff you would learn for a more complex fighting game. But mm-hmm. I think it's it's a really good intro for that. That's awesome. Oh, I gotta play as Weiss, man, the homie. Yeah. Um, hold on. Kevin just sent me something, and I need to see what it is. Oh no! What, 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 have, what have you received, Terry? Oh Jesus! What is this, it's, Kevin? Can you somehow show the people? What is? What I have can. you? What has he done? What? Oh, is it ASCII porn? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Okay. Yeah, you don't. You don't. You know gotta show people. What the All fuck right, is on. this? Okay. I don't know. I stumbled upon it. No, I'm don't. Sorry, I stumbled really upon it. No, sorry. no. Okay. So right. this is probably created procedurally just by filtering video yeah. through. I've seen this done on old PCs a lot. Um, so I'm trying to slack. I'm, I'm, I'm there, trying man. to slack to the computer so I can show the kids. But, do you have uh, Blast Blue on your Switch right now? I do. Okay, when we're done yeah. with this, I might yeah. want to hop on that for a second. Yeah. Uh, but there's another fighting game that that you got to play that. People that were watching Games Daily today when we were recording this got to see me show Jared this game for the first time, Pocket Rumble. Yes, and how I miss Pocket Rumble, I do not know, but thank you, Tim Geddes, for the introduction. 
Because uh, Pocket Rumble, um, despite the fact, again, that it, it's okay. That yeah. yeah show, show the people. Oh uh, then no man, that's. It's not that graphic. You see the shit, cool, Greg. It's. Uh, it's just someone gently is, slapping their bottom. Oh man, I it's just it's just called jiggle. <laughs> okay, thank you. All right, pocket rumble. Way way too much Usenet going on here right now. All right, take that down. I'm not going to be able to think about it. Thank you very much. Uh, I've lost my complete pocket train of thought. Thank you, pocket rumble. Yeah, um, I like a lot of old games. I think sometimes that gets overemphasized on mm -hmm. here. It's like not like I don't play or love new games. Mm -hmm. um, Pocket Rumble is a new game that looks like a very specific old game. SNK versus Capcom Match of the Millennium for the Neo Geo Pocket. The uh, ill-fated. Did you ever have a Neo Geo Pocket? I never did. Okay, do you remember them? I do remember them. So for a little while, the Neo Geo Pocket was kind of the premier color handheld you could have for mm -hmm. a very brief period of time. It was named after the Neo Geo, this famous like $700 home yeah. console that had arcade hardware in it. Remember the Wonder Swan? I do remember the Wonder Swan. <laughs> Never released in America. Yeah, there was a uh, Digimon game on that that I really wanted. Oh, have you ever, have you ever played it? Never played it. So good at, Wonder Swan's like a buck in Japan. Really? Yeah. Like you can just go <laughs> buy a Wonder Swan for like a dollar uh, and, and take it home. Swan crystals are much more expensive because they don't have the ghosting on the screen. That's what mm, you want. The good, mm. That's a good one. I love you so much, Jared. Oh, yeah. So I love much. Wonder Swan. It's great. It had a great version of Final Fantasy on it. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of great stuff on Wonder Swan. Um, so Neo Geo Pocket. Yeah, Neo Geo Pocket. So anyway, Neo Geo Pocket Color. Um, without the historical essay was this really great color handheld that unlike Neo Geo was not about super cutting edge hardware. It presented a eight bit esque experience with really pretty colors, a nice screen for the time, this great eight directional clicky thumbstick. I don't know how to describe that thing, except that it, it felt like a perfect cross between an analog stick and a D pad. Mm. Um, and, and nobody else has ever done it anywhere else that, I, that I've seen. One of the standout things on that system was several very good fighting games because SNK, big into fighting games, that was kind of their bread and butter. And the best of those was their SNK Capcom matchup overlap super game. That is a two button fighter, eight directional movement, two control buttons, effectively punch and kick or light and heavy. But what you get from that in terms of options and faithfulness execution is a game that somehow has Street Fighter characters that feel like Street Fighter characters, even though they're cute and little and easy mm -hmm. to control. And SNK characters that feel like they're SNK characters. And way more movesets and balance and strategy. Than you'd imagine with two buttons. Than you'd imagine with two buttons. Because we're talking, it's a GBA setup. Yeah, it's but without the GBA shoulder setup, buttons. Without shoulder buttons. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it is just a two face button deal. And it's dope. It's great. It's beautiful. The art's still beautiful. This game evokes the look and feel of that game like I never imagined possible. Uh, and it does it on Switch, and it does it on apparently other platforms that I hadn't played yet. Mm -hmm. um, uh, what else is it available on, Tim? Do you know? Because you just introduced me now. to it. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to throw you, no. throw you a curveball there. Throw that curveball. Throw that curveball. Um, so why play it? One, it's even more accessible <laughs> than Cross Tag Battle, although it's got... Your standard like deep fighting game tutorials are totally in there. It looks old, but it plays sublimely. Uh, there's a ton of variety in the fighters and the abilities that they have. Uh -huh. Everybody feels really distinct. I, I, I've gotten hooked already on June, who's this ghost character. There's a lot of flavor. Like her grab is she's like a floaty ghost and she'll literally just possess someone. Like, oh, go cool. into their body, pick them up, and throw them against the ground from inside. That's awesome. That's her throw. Like, yeah. it's so rad. 
Um, and she'll like summon things. There's there's a really good power up system where you can lay traps for people. It's all about area control, and, and they, so she'll clone herself, Solid and you can leave a trap it. on the battlefield for some. Yeah, but you have like active control of it, and that's it's. Oh, Switch, Tim, Switch thank exclusive. You. It looks like. Oh, okay, Switch exclusive. That's yeah. well, this game is. Dope. Yeah. Just fantastic. How much is it? Uh, I think I paid 10 for it, I believe. Okay, cool. uh, and it's worth every penny, if not yeah. more. I I'm honestly think it's underpriced. Uh, what about you? Have you played it at all yet? I, I played it at, I want to say GDC. It was either GDC or some packs a while ago. But yeah, I mean, I'm immediately looking at it. I'm like, this is so up my alley. I love this type of stuff. And that's what I'm saying uh, about fighting games that I'm not, I'm not good at them. I'm not even really that deep into them at all. But a two button. Pretty looking, aesthetically pleasing fighting game. Sign me the fuck up. Great tutorials, really deep, lots of special abilities, neat music, beautiful graphics. And the graphics are thoughtful. They're not just like, we're going to make retro style. The palette choices are really smart. Like everything pops and mm -hmm. it pops great. But they're also somehow evocative of the Neo Geo Pocket Color palette. Mm -hmm. I don't know how they did that. Yeah. And well, it, it kind of has that filter over it that, yeah. that, that makes it all look very uh, like. I don't, even, I don't even know what the word is, but yeah. like it, it looks like there's like a checkerboard filter almost Kinda in between muted each pixel. And yeah, it works. I it, This is the game when you saw Karen taking the game to the party. What? Like a window screen thing? Not quite. I, pull, I don't, pull up the, the trailer. Yeah, it's a really neat game. Tim, I really want to think. So while he's pulling that up, um, you know when you saw Karen in the original Switch reveal going to the party yeah. and setting it up on the kickstand and people all playing with their Joy-Cons? Mm -hmm. This is the game for that. Totally. Because you can oh, play yeah. it with it. Yeah, there we go. But yeah, just that, kind of that like old school CRT filter. Yeah. It's, and when you play the same thing that you get for from like a VR? Well, I don't think it's like a. Uh, I don't think it's like an eagle filter exactly. I, I can't quite figure out how These they lines. did this. That's what you're talking about, right? The lines, yeah, yeah. yeah it looks really, really good, and I, I haven't played online yet. So, uh, but I'm assuming since it's GPU, it it's going to so be great. Tight. And when you play it on handheld mode, that's the, like they're showing there. So it looks really cool, blown up. But when it's small, it's perfect. You can see it great. So this mm. is the game to set up on your kickstand, sit next to a friend, mm. and play. Like this is like, oh, hey, I got the ghost oh. character. Tom, fifteen minutes at my lunch break. I'm gonna play this. Yeah, that's the training room there. I, I love how the around. homie looks like Ash Ketchum, just fucking. Which one? Oh, that the guy with the, like the main character. Yeah. yeah, he's like Tenchu. He's like Ryu. He's he's totally oh, okay. a Ryu clone. Um, uh, that's Naomi right there. Who I can't figure out who she's based on yet, but she her moveset. She's really quick. Like very very yeah. agility based. That's awesome, man. Yeah, God, I want to play. Thanks for this. Oh, it's great. a great game. Uh, and then you played another game today that we talked about oh, on kind of funny games daily. Uh, the game that came out, I was making fun of the name, and you're like, you know what? I'm gonna play it. Jared, what do you think about Disease Hidden Object? A real game on the Nintendo Disease Switch. Hidden Object. Um, all right, so video games with dumb names can be great. Let's let's start there. There True. are video games with terrible names mm -hmm. that are superb. Disease Hidden Object is not among those games. Mm -hmm. It does have a terrible name. No. Um, imagine if Where's Waldo were a video game, which has happened. Mm -hmm. There was an NES Where's Waldo game. But worse. Much, much worse. You have a timer. You have a dark room on your small switch screen. You have a list of objects you're supposed to find, which are roughly sketched on a pad. And you have a pointer. Your job is to find those objects and click on them. It's all the worst parts of a point and click adventure game where you're pixel hunting mm -hmm. without any of the good parts of a point and click adventure game where you've got great humor and interesting, compelling storytelling. And it is, it is an atrocity. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they should 
honestly, it is it is like it's really bad. I, yeah. you know, that's ter- I should not have said that. Uh, but it is it is awful. It is bad. It is very. It looked very bad. bad. You showed me it. You you yeah. came up to me. You're like Tim. Look what you made me do. Yeah. Uh, and, it, and you it, didn't make me. I did jump it, in and volunteer. It looked fucking horrible. That is eight just, dollars. One, I'm never one screen. Back. You don't even get to move around. Just no. one screen, and it it is just like finding these objects. Yeah. That are, I guess they're diseased. I don't know. There was a cat blocking some scissors at one yeah, point. Yeah. 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 Like, cat wasn't even moving. It was just like, why? Why? I tried. You, you I got tried. the scissors, and then there was some headphones. And it's I like, this wanted to like make it. Narrative sense. Yeah, I wanted to like it. I wanted it to get better. I could not bring myself to slog past the first screen. There was one object I was having trouble finding. I'm literally like doing this. And I'm like, I don't care yeah. anymore. Oh, so, man, disease. Unfortunately, disease hidden object not a winner. Gets Jared's uh, two thumbs down. Yeah. How you doing, Cool Gray? Chill, man. How you guys? Good. You guys seem doing good. Doing yeah. Good yeah, thank you. I, I love him so much. It looked like you had something to say. <laughs> you leaned in, but no, it's all good. Um, I don't have too much to, to talk about because I can't. There's uh, three different Switch games that I am playing that I am not allowed to talk about. Um, I'm enjoying all of them quite okay. a bit. That's all I can say. So you, the, you're a mysterious more, game. There will be more on Gamescast next week for some games. Uh, but yeah, they are, I'm having a good time with all of them. Uh, what I have played quite a bit of is Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy oh! on uh, Nintendo Switch. Obviously, I'm a huge fan of, of the game, of the franchise. I actually really appreciate this version of the game because it doesn't have the 4K. It doesn't have the lighting effects and the fancy stuff that the PS4 and Xbox and PC versions have. Mm-hmm. And because of that, Crash kind of looks a bit more plastic and like everything's a little darker and it makes it look more like the original games did. Mm-hmm. And that was probably my biggest criticism of the remaster is that they they made Crash look too furry and like too, uh, it just, the art style seemed to change. Crash, especially Crash ah. 1, always had this like real contrasty, uh, mm-hmm. like a lot of shadows on everything look yeah. to it. Uh, and it did seem very plasticky. And the the remake made it way more fuzzy overall because um, I think they're trying to make it feel more like these are real animals. Uh-huh. Um, but I like that the the downgrade on the Switch actually makes it look more like I want it to. That's fascinating. Yeah. I, th- I think that is just a, a byproduct of the Switch's reduced power in mm-hmm. terms of just like raw horsepower. There is some some weird, weird things with uh, the downgrades that they had to make. Like there's parts where you'll be walking and uh, in the original games that tells of what you needed to dodge would be you're seeing a reflection yeah and like you would see something off screen shooting at you but you knew it was happening because you saw it in the reflection yeah there is no reflection so do you think that's that's being changed because of the smaller screen or because the switch can't handle it i think it's that it can't handle okay that that's stuff what i went on um but i i talked to uh, one of the developers when we were at e3 and i was asking him about like some of these the changes so i was looking for it uh while i'm playing through the game and he was telling me that because they had to make concessions like that, they they did change things and they added tells exclusively to the Switch so that even though you don't see the reflection, now you see them come on screen for a second and hear different audio cues to let mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, there's something you need to dodge. Okay. And I was like, okay, cool. At least if there was, you're going to make changes, like make sure that you're changing it all the way so you're not breaking the game. Uh, kind of like Twin Snakes adding uh, the first person mode really okay. broke the game. Yeah, right. You know, whereas this, it's just changing uh, warning signs to be able to jump and stuff. <sighs> Think of all the stuff that Twin Snakes broke. Just just breaks my heart. So so much I'm a Twin Snakes it. fan. Are you? I definitely am. Really? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. I, I'm with the crowd that says that the articulation on the faces ruined the game. The, uh-huh. like MGS1 works really well when the guy's like, 
but doesn't raise like hello. Yeah, I'm clearly enunciating. Yeah, this. And suddenly yeah. it's creepy. Do you I, feel not feeling? Like? You're you're right, but there's just something about it where it's like I get that MGS one the, the original is always going to be like the the timeless classic, mm-hmm. but it's like, dude, Twin Snakes is dope. Well, sometimes remakes I are like better. The, like, sometimes crazy... remakes are much better. Resident Evil remake is better than Resident it is Evil. Definitely better. Absolutely. But uh, I like the over the top like kung fu and like matrixy action scenes. And well, stuff. you definitely got that from that. I yeah. just felt that that robbed Snake of his his like kind of everymanness. Like Snake mm-hmm. is this guy that kind of gets beat up and he's kind of dumb and he's kind and. And in that, he's just like, hello, I am Super Ninja from the future fighting other Super Ninja. And I, I felt like it's it took away. Cool. Uh, you like that? So yeah. back to Crash. Back to Crash. Um, I, I'm really, I'm having a good time with it. And like, I have all the same critiques I always do about the Crash games where the difficulty spike in Crash 1 is just, it's frustrating. The mm-hmm. hitboxes are just like, they're just horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, all the, the hog wild levels are like, they're, they're fun. But then you get to the the ones where you're on the the br- any of the bridge levels are just like stop. Do you wish that the remake had had less fidelity to the original material? That it had altered those things? That they had changed the gameplay? No, 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 no. I feel like you need to keep the game really what it was. Okay. Yeah, like you can't. It, it would be a Twin Snakes type situation where then all of a sudden it's not fun anymore. Like there's boss fights in Twin Snakes that just simply are not fun mm-hmm. because it's so easy mm-hmm. uh, and all the challenge is gone and so it's like it might as well have just been a cutscene. Okay. and I feel like with Crash like it the difficulty is the precision jumps if you take that away no reason you might as well be anymore. watching a YouTube video okay. of someone playing you know all right. um, but yeah and I feel like there's just so much content in this game and like I played through all three Crash games so many times I've only beat Crash 1 once mm-hmm. uh, from and I, did, I streamed that on my birthday a couple of years ago I was honestly unaware that anyone had ever beaten Crash 1 dude Crash 1 is fucking hard yeah. it is so hard to the point that it's just not worth it no I didn't but think anyone had ever seen the credits to that game. Cra- Crash 2 and 3 um, are, are a lot better a lot better balanced and there's a lot more going on mm-hmm. and again like I replayed through all three last year and here I am again like wanting to play through them again but on switch just gives me that extra like oh cool i can do this wherever i want yeah. to in little short bursts so you can chip away at this chip away at yeah, getting 100 percent in each one like it won't be an actual platinum but who gives a fuck you can arrive at your bus stop angry from having missed all that platforming yes so is this a recommend tim Cra- yeah dude crash on switch i think i could definitely recommend it because for 40 dollars you're getting three three games that have a there's a lot of content there mm-hmm. if you enjoy platformers at all it's like there's a lot of good there i'd say more good than bad uh there is a lot of bad mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's more good than bad overall um europe's I, loving it i think the biggest <laughs> question is yeah the biggest question is is it worth double dipping for uh, mm. for all the people that, that bought it last year on on ps4 and I honestly feel like like you know the answer to that question in your heart. <laughs> like you either are like yes, these are these are games that I want to have on me forever. Like me, like totally, it's worth it for people like me. Yeah. Is it worth it for others? No, probably, probably not. not. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, um, and then then I've been playing more Mario Tennis Aces, but that's. I, I just finally gave up on story mode entirely. Okay. And I was like, I'm just not doing this. It's not fun. Everyone agrees. Like, fuck this. So I've just been playing tournament mode. I haven't been online. It's just tournament against uh, bots. And like, man, it's just such a fun tennis game. So somebody told me after our last show, uh, one of the best friends, I don't remember who, that we did have one fact wrong uh, when we talked about Mario Tennis Aces last time in that you do have to finish story mode to unlock all the courts. That's what they said. Oh, really? Uh, and I don't know that firsthand mm. because I have mm. not bothered with story mode, but I am wondering about that. 
Do you think they'll patch it so the courts are available, recognizing that that might be a mistake? Probably not. Yeah, that doesn't seem like a Nintendo move. I wondered, but yeah, we'll see. That's interesting. I also don't need all the courts. It's tennis. Did you see the the thing? Somebody made a joke on Twitter today that that Drake released an updated version of his most recent album. And there's effectively like somebody's pointing out that like Drake is now patching his albums. I mean, that's dude. Kanye started that like yeah. uh, two years ago, I think, and it's just that's just how music is made now. Now we're just gonna just fucking it. update shit. Walt Whitman like, rewrote yeah. Leaves of Grass over and over and over in the course of his life, and kept re-releasing like revised versions of his poetry. Yeah, like so the poems would like actually change. But I mean, what's weird about this? Not to go on too much of a tangent of this, but like when these albums are just are digital albums, right? And it's on Spotify, and then they make changes and change the track list and move songs around. Then you don't get the old versions anymore, unless you already had them downloaded. So it's like it's weird that we are getting to an era where, uh, unless you're conscious about collecting digital yeah. files, there's a chance you're not going to be able to ever get the original thing you paid for. I wish I could patch stupid things I've said. You know? Yeah. That would be too. amazing. Good Lord. It's been a whole Incredible. bunch of those. Yep. Uh, now it's time for the topic of the show. Ooh. Uh, this one's really, really interesting to me. Someone wrote in to Kind of Funny Games Daily yesterday uh, when it was me and Gary, and they're talking about the news of Google trying to enter the console space. Uh, I, I looked a little bit into this. Google is supposedly going to enter the market with a three-pronged approach. One, a streaming platform. Two, new hardware. And three, an attempt to bring game developers under the Google umbrella, whether through aggressive recruiting or even major acquisitions. So I wanted to talk to you about it's 2018. Yep. We got Nintendo doing better than they have in a very long time. Yep. We have a dominant Sony like we've never seen before. Mm -hmm. We have a Microsoft that is building towards a much better future, learning from the mistakes of the Xbox mm -hmm. One while still being very successful and making a lot of money. Yep. Is there room for a fourth power player? And if so, what would that mean for the three that we have? And how can the fourth succeed being Google? Well, first off, um, I definitely think there's room for a fourth power player because there already is one. In this community, we don't talk about it as much because we are mostly a console-focused community. But ladies and gentlemen, there's that third Steam. Mm -hmm. It's been there for a long time, and that is absolutely the fourth pillar yeah. of game sales. Totally. Steam, GOG, etc. Uh, that world is every bit, if not more, as if not more lucrative than the console space. Indeed, I would say there is a fifth pillar. Oh, come on, calm down. These funny little things, which mm. by the way have two separate marketplaces both of which are succeeding nicely. Right now, there are already six major places I can go to play mainstream video games. There's this old argument in consoles that goes all the way back to the Sega dropout around the Dreamcast that you can only support three at once. I think that has long been an anachronistic argument. Hmm. I, it's interesting you bring up the mobile specifically and, and even PCs to an extent because while there is PC exclusive games for sure, I, I feel that the reason that the the big three are the big three are that they have the AAA exclusive titles, and that's mm -hmm. kind of what sets them apart uh, from these other platforms. And yes, I guess like Super Mario Run would be a AAA title on on mobile, but I I don't. What's up? Well, I mean, we defaulted yeah. to Super Mario Run immediately, but let's you know a AAA title on mobile isn't Super Mario Run; it's Flappy Bird. Yeah, I or mean, that too. I mean, yeah. and I know that sounds silly, and it's not anymore, but but the amount of money generated versus the cost to develop on something mm -hmm. like Flappy Bird or Crossy Road or, or any of the hundred other things that have burst through and broken through on mobile, 
the, if I invested a thousand dollars into that and then got back a percentage wise, what that game made, my returns are going to be more significant than many triple a console mm-hmm. games. I think that the storytelling around consoles is better. And you and I are storytellers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think we talk about that very often, but we are enthusiasts. We are people that love a hobby and we love the games and we love the industry around the games and we love the narrative that's within the games and the meta narrative of how they're made and who makes them. And that's why we can say names like Miyamoto or, or Kojima and people get excited mm-hmm. because they know the meta narrative. They know the, the world. Consoles do that better than anybody. Absolutely. But that's not all it takes to be a vital and significant financial force in the marketplace of gaming. And mobile and PC have proved for a long time that there are other factors like accessibility, blue ocean strategy, which means reaching out to places where people aren't already playing games and finding new customers, the things that you can do on PC easily that you can't necessarily do as easily on a console, that's finally changing as consoles effectively come PCs. Mm-hmm. All those things also weigh into the equation. The story's not as much fun, but the fact is money's being made hand over in those arenas. So if Google were to come in with a console, mm-hmm. where does it fit then? Like if you're if you're adding to the argument that there is mobile and, and PC and then there's the consoles, my gut tells me that Google is trying to get in more in the conversation that we have about Nintendo, Xbox, Sony. It really more with Sony and Xbox I, than it is the mobile and PC side. I think and I I don't have I don't have any clear picture of what this looks like. But I think we're talking about changing thought from hardware to platform. We've talked about this in abstract ways before, but Google controls a good portion of what goes on in our lives every day. When we come to work in the morning, what do we use to look up our news articles to work on Games Daily? Yeah, Google, our emails, what do our we, calendars. Yeah, what do we write those articles in and plan mm-hmm. the show in? Google Docs. We do our calendars in Google. We do our, Google is intrinsically connected to every part of our lives. My phone runs on Google software. Um, I think what Google can do is they can say, we will present you with a affordable hardware device that all apps of a certain classification and all games of a certain classification will run on. Or if you already own a PC or a Mac or a Linux-based PC, you can just pop this on there and those will work too as long as it's up to certain specs. Or if you have a Google Android phone equipped with this hardware minimum, then these tiered apps will also function on there. And we can effectively play games across every place Google touches, which means the whole wide world. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm going to guess Google's going to go with this. Because even their control of the internet you yeah. know, with Google Fiber and with their their understanding of like the the growth strategies there, we always talk about the cloud future that we yeah. are a digital future that we're going towards, yeah. and a lot of the problems that come up with that are where places that don't have internet that's good enough to be able to handle all that. Google can solve those problems. They can. That's always been the problem. Forget places that don't already have it. You know, there's that last Blockbuster shirt I wear sometimes from the little town in Alaska that doesn't have good download service. The Blockbuster still open there. Uh, There are still places like that in the world, but more importantly, the big wild card in this whole Netflix of gaming future everybody talks about has been hardware connectivity, backbone, 5G, fiber. Google can solve that. What they can do that nobody else can is provide 
streaming games that aren't just hundreds of megabytes, but that are terabytes eventually, mm -hmm. which is where gaming is going. And when we get there, they're going to be better positioned than anybody on the face of the planet Earth to deliver it. So let's talk about timing. We know we're, we're heading towards the end of this console generation. We don't know if that's going to be a year, two years, three years, mm -hmm. but we know that it's coming. Mm -hmm. We know that a PS5 and a Xbox One 2 are, are being developed and are going to hit at some point. I think that we can say best estimations at this point. 2021 mm -hmm. what for google you think no 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 or for, for the PlayStation console and for xbox late 2020 or late 2021 i'm not yeah. sure which somewhere around there what do you think this means for google do they try to come out before that during that or after that i think they come out in the same window um i think that the fact that we're hearing rumors now assuming this project sees itself to fruition and i believe that it probably will i i figure we see something definite by 2020 late. Uh, that's my guess, or here something definite. I'm not sure the product's on shelves by then, but it might be. Mm -hmm. um, also, I think this will be iterative. Uh, remember when Steam came out? Uh, did you own a PC when Steam came out? No. Steve was this, Steam was this horrible, crappy, buggy piece of awful software that used up valuable resources on your PC and you had to install it if you wanted to play Half-Life 2. Mm -hmm. And everybody that owned a PC wanted to play Half-Life 2. Yeah. Therefore, we all put Steam on our computers. That's how they got us. Is that, and, wait, wait, wait. Steam came out with Half-Life 2? Yeah. Really? Steam has not been around that long. Really? Man, I mean, I'm obviously not really a big PC gamer, but I did get Steam for uh, Counter-Strike Source. Mm -hmm. which was from Half-Life 2. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess I did have it. Half-Life 2 out, was the Trojan horse that Steam was unleashed upon the world in. And mm -hmm. a lot of the success of Steam comes from the fact that we had to have it on there as long as we wanted to keep playing Half-Life 2. And therefore, while they worked the bugs out, it was all there. And then we're like, huh, there's some pretty cool games on there. Because they were hardly, the first, there was direct-to-drive, there was GOG, there was, you know, there were lots of other services doing this, but Steam were the ones you had to have. Mm. And that's how they got in the door. GOG used a really sneaky strategy. They were good old games for a long time. They were like a retro service during the retro craze. And they snuck in like, hey, we've got all these licenses for these old PC games you love and remember. And then they started just being like, oh, by the way, we also sell a lot of the stuff Steam does. And sometimes we sell it without DRM. You don't have to load art, you know, you can just download it. You don't have to have Steam on. And that was how they kind of worked their way into the marketplace. Very clever. Yeah, interesting. So, yeah, uh, Steam snuck in that way. Google, because it's already a part of our lives every day, unlike most people who want to do this, they can literally just force us and they can force us without pain to have this capability on almost any device we use. Mm -hmm. They just be like, hey, by the way, here's this thing. It's on your phone now. Want to play 6,000 video games by companies you love? Here they are. Want to play them with a controller? That's okay. We build our own phones. So guess what? This one's got a controller built in. And not a crappy controller made by companies that don't understand gaming, but made by a division that was built to emulate the best of what works in console and handheld gaming industries. That's what I think they're going to do. I'm, we've come, we've become so accustomed to Silicon Valley companies or, or other, you know, Facebooks that are being clueless about why games are actually fun and being blinded by loot box greed or Farmville greed, uh, Zynga, Zynga syndrome, that we forget that if somebody just did it right, they'd probably own the world if they had that discovery window. And Google has the discovery window and the ability to do it right. Mm-hmm. 
So taking a step back for a second, you you said earlier that you do think this is going to happen. You yeah. do think that Google is entering the console space. For years, there was rumors of Steam itself entering the console race, yep. and then eventually it kind of did with the Steam box. The Steam box, and I feel like that is it safe to say didn't work. No, I don't think that worked at all. I think the Steam box was a the Steam box was a toe dipped in the water that just never came out the way they wanted it to. And, and um, why is that? Is it because it, it we weren't the world wasn't ready for cloud-based like downloading games or is it just that there was too many options? There were infrastructure problems, there were discovery problems, there were probably internal I, I don't have any inside info on this, but I'm guessing there was some disagreement within Valve and what the product ultimately needed to be. There were pricing concerns built around what it took to run the apps based on a PC architecture. There were operating system licensing questions and how to get the Linux build just right to have low resource but high availability of all the things you want to be able to play. There was trying to balance PC gamers, which are obsessed with customization, with console gamers that are mostly concerned with accessibility and connectivity to their friends. All those concerns in a company that was mostly traditionally PC-based. And it just didn't quite come together. A lot of times the people that have the good idea first are not the ones that pull it off. MySpace is my favorite example of this. Remember MySpace? Oh, very well. So if this may sound funny to you, but once upon a time, kids, MySpace was Facebook. Mm -hmm. It was an ubiquitous company that could go nowhere but up. Everybody used MySpace. And then one day, like somebody flitched the switch, no one did. Because Facebook at that time was just easier to use, less cluttered, more accessible, uh, more easy to understand. Less glitter-aged Yeah, more feature-rich. And it's like the world switched over in three days. Mm -hmm. It was really bizarre. Do you remember that? Oh, I, definitely. Yeah. And so Steam might be the MySpace or Steambox might have been the MySpace of this. Mm -hmm. um, and Google's effort could turn out to be the first. By the way, I do not guarantee they're going to succeed in this. Giant companies entering industries they don't understand can totally, totally screw up. It's happened so many times. But twice it's worked. Mm -hmm. One of those companies was called Sony, and the other was called Microsoft. Yeah, Sony was not a games company in 1994. They had a tiny gaming division that made terrible video games for other hardware. And then suddenly in 1995, they're producing a console that'll become one of the most legendary pieces of gaming hardware in history. Microsoft were the people that made crappy operating systems and bloated office suites. And suddenly they made the most connected console anyone had ever imagined possible. Out of nowhere. Google, we think about the way people thought about Microsoft and Sony before they were in gaming. And that's why I don't think this is impossible. Five years from now, we might very well think of Google as a gaming company the way we think of Sony as a gaming company because it's happened before. So going off of that, I feel like there aren't many companies that even have a chance at being in that conversation, three of which would be Google, Apple, and Amazon. Yep, and maybe Facebook. And, um, and yeah, and, and, and Facebook. So you take, you look at Apple, right? It's been rumored for years that we would see a iPlay type mm -hmm. console. We even made a joke video about it on IGN a long time ago. But like the idea that a Apple wants to enter the gaming space and like they've kind of dabbled with it a whole bunch over the years with yeah. controllers and Apple, things. Apple has to get over themselves before they could do this. I mean, I don't even know. If, and when I say get over themselves, I mean, I don't think there's a lot of unity 
I don't have inside knowledge of this, but looking at the way that they present themselves in the game space as, as so sometimes dichotomic from what they say six months before, yeah. I, I think a lot of it is fact is that that company is still in a lot of ways ruled by the shadow of Steve Ghost or Steve, Steve shadow of Steve Ghost shadow of Steve Jobs mm-hmm. through Tim Cook. Steve Jobs did not care about video games. Um, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with not caring about video games. But he created a company culture that actively pivoted away from that part of the marketplace. When iOS found success in games, they certainly found ways to monetize that. But they've never been serious about creating a platform outside of their phones that did this. They did the Pippin. They actually made a console. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the thing? I, oh, yeah. We unboxed it at IGN with uh, Sam Claiborne back in the day. No kidding. You unboxed yeah. a Pippin? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's yeah. weird. We did the whole unboxing in like a, a 1980s style with like VHS overlays, and, and he dressed up like... Well, like Sam normally dresses. Okay, yeah. But. I was going to say, <laughs> Sam doesn't have to change his attire to look like he's come out of 1987. I just don't think they have the cultural consistency and congruence around this to do it. Like, they see there's money there, but I don't think Apple's willing to change as a company enough to make this happen. And I feel like the rumors always were, and if they were to come out with a console, it wouldn't be something that's competing with PlayStation and Xbox. It'd be something that's like, oh, hey, you can play your mobile games on a TV if you wanted to. Yeah. And now with things like Apple TV, and there's like so many ways to make that happen anyways that uh, you don't need a dedicated box for that. Then there's Amazon, which, you know, they've... I would have been surprised years ago to see them making their own products, but over time we've kind of seen them with the with Alexa, with yeah. the um, Fire Stick and the tablets and all that. Like mm-hmm. they are making choices, yeah. smart choices, investing in in different you know ways for them to grow. But do you think that video games could be one of those? It places? could be. I don't know if Amazon cares. Um, I don't have enough knowledge of that situation. Like if Amazon announced a console type system tomorrow Mm -hmm. i would not be shocked if like we'd never heard of it it's been in development for four years and they launch it tomorrow you can buy third-party games you've heard of right now through the store and they will work on your pc and they will work on your kindle fire and they i would totally believe it Mm. uh, because i think they're almost as well positioned as google is from this maybe even better what Google controls in infrastructure and information discovery, Amazon can counter with their storefront and their capitalistic effectively monopoly on commerce in the United States, which really can give them a, a huge edge on this. So I could totally see Amazon making the same kind of play. Hmm. So with all that aside, Google seems to actually be doing this. I think so, yeah. Uh, if they do it, what do they need to do to have it succeed? Well, uh, they need to do what no one has done before and have a centralized internal vision for their market. Uh, They're sorry, a centralized internal division that's built around this market and understands what has worked. Uh, They need to respect the traditions, the rituals of the community. They need to build that core so that they can expand to everyone. Now, I don't. You don't start selling games to people who already play games only. That would be a terrible mistake. I mean, mobile proof that if you sell games to people that don't play games, you can vastly increase the number of people who play and thus increase your market, and it's great. But they also, if they want to succeed in making this thing a true platform for what we think of as AAA third-party type games, they're going to have to understand us. They're going to have to understand that we care about easy connectivity, brand loyalty, faces, that we care about personalities, 
uh, we care about our Kojimas mm-hmm. and we care about our Pete Hineses and we care about, you know, we, we have, yeah. the, they need to understand that we care about brands that already exist and be ready to support and partner with those brands or acquire them. They need to understand that we need something to play these games on that doesn't feel like a piece of trash in our hands. Now, for some people, that may be the world's greatest force feedback touchscreen, uh, which I think is going to be a reality very soon. For other people, that's going to mean something like a classic style controller. But they need to understand that what we hold needs to feel familiar and good and have good battery life and not deviate too far from the language of gaming we already understand. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody that's tried this has ever done that. Mm-hmm. I think that if they're going to succeed, they must do that. They also have to make purchasing painless and quick. They are going to absolutely have to improve their customer service. Google's weird, we don't exist culture, mm-hmm. not going to work in the game space. Not where people are used to actually getting a response. Um, they can shunt some of that over to third parties, but if I buy something and it suddenly doesn't work, going to Google forums is not going to be a good option for me. Yeah. I need a human being that can actually solve the problem and they're going to have to put real effort into customer service. Uh, I think that understanding that we become attached to hardware is going to matter. Mm-hmm. Um, that we like the ways we play the games and that we want a G box and a G box two, you know, or, or some manner of, of standard like that that's easily identifiable. That's going to be very important. Do you I, think that coming out of the gate, they try to take the Xbox one X approach of we are the most powerful. And that's a reason you should come to us. I don't think so. I think what they're going to do is show us games. I think that they understand that we doubt they're going to have the library. I think they come screaming out the door with unimaginable partnerships. What, Just about so what, anything that's not first party. That's the most exciting already part signed. of this. What could that, what could that look like? Because the entire Ubisoft catalog, the entire Activision catalog, the entire weird atlas catalog and sega that like little and big and if they make games and their names aren't nintendo sony first party and microsoft first party it's already there you come out the door with and just like a literally the sizzle reel of every game you've ever heard of also next generation games coming first or exclusively Mm -hmm. you know what if there's i obviously this is not well thought out okay but what if there's and a sa- Google has enough money to just make Assassin's Creed such and such the Google exclusive. They could absolutely do that. Um, you know, they could literally pay for the entire production budget of the game and what Ubi would normally make selling a game like that if they want to, just to guarantee that people buy their boxes to play it. They got mm. that kind of cash. Yeah. Um, I don't think you necessarily have to go that extreme, but you could. Is there any chance, and you probably know this way better than I would, is there any chance that Google already has hired or created an internal team making first-party games? I think that acquisition would make more sense and partnership would make more sense, but if there's not some kind of studio development effort on their part, if they're leaning into this at some point, I think I'd be shocked. I don't have any idea if they've done it yet. Uh, but I think that if they were going to pursue this long term, of course they want control over some studios to produce Google exclusives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
You want your exclusives. It's fun. It's, you want a beautiful game that people have to play. Killer apps of any kind. Now, we forget killer apps are not a video game oh, primary back. term. Oh, he's headed away. Uh-oh, now you're stuck with me. All right. You can turn the sound out for a minute. No. You forget that killer apps are not a video game exclusive term. We think about that in, in terms of the game that sells a console, but killer app, a term, was invented to describe computer software you had to have. One of the earliest killer apps was VisiCalc in 1978. That was a spreadsheet for the Apple II. That's where we really kind of get the term. It was the reason people ran out and bought that computer. It's like, oh, wow, computers are neat. Whoa, I can do something useful for my business with this. And then they went and got it. Word processors, things like that followed. Web browsers were a killer app at one point. What's that? Do your taxes on them. You could do your taxes and businesses would buy it. They're like, oh my gosh. The thing about VisiCalc, people forget, is it's a time machine. Like spreadsheets are time machines. Before we had them, we didn't realize that. But you can, it used to take days to try to extrapolate numbers out and change and say, hey, what might happen if we tried this? And that took forever. And then suddenly spreadsheets were invented and it took seconds. Once that happened, the whole universe changed and everything we know about data completely blew up. And now we, powerful companies can control the world. Uh, that wasn't possible to them. That's actually kind of regret. But anyway, killer apps would be a good thing for, for Google to have there. Kevin, what do you think? Do you think it's going to happen? No. No? Expound. don't think it's going to happen. All right. Well, that's that's kind of useless <laughs> right there. And I, I, just, I mean, I just, I, I, I hope it doesn't happen because I like having one device where I can do this. I hate that, like, I have multiple devices where it's like, well, I want to play Fortnite. It's like, all right. Cool. I guess I can't play it on my PlayStation because there's all these devices that don't play together. So what know? about if you're in a universe where Google owns everything and you can play those games on all your devices? All right. Now you. I think that's what they language. want to happen. Yeah, I, I know. But like that's what uh, you know Disney wants to happen. I know. Meanwhile, are they going to have 50 percent equity in, in Hulu and now Hulu is going to be worth it? I, I don't know. know. But like Netflix is still going to be worth it. That's too many things to have, man. I think that's that, twenty dollars right there a I month. Think, yeah, we're gonna go through a painful. Well, again, ultimately, uh. the the goal of something like this is to separate us from our money. I I haven't even begun to comment on whether I think that economically this is a good idea. You know, I'm saying I think it. it yeah, will I, that, that's the other thing. Like, how much money like can they be hoping to make off this stuff? Because it's like I I feel like for most companies making consoles, haven't they like, with the exception of Sony, like. Haven't consoles come out at a loss for a lot of like companies like Xbox? Well, you talk about the razor blade thing. I mean, just the hey, we produce this hardware, we sell it at a loss, yeah. but you buy four first party games during the course of right. the system, exactly. so we actually make money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, I'm yeah. sure that I'd be shocked if they're not producing at a loss at the beginning. Yeah. Now, whatever hardware they sell. Do you think there's any strategy that sounds crazy, but could could they do kind of what you're saying and have this like? suite of games but then you have those games that are somehow playable on playstation or xbox or i think they could sure they could partner with the current folks it depends on whether folks want to play nice with them or not mm -hmm. but again this could all completely fall apart mm -hmm. like people have tried things like this before yeah and and it hasn't worked out um i'm not predicting success or failure yet i don't know anything but the rumors you know that we're hearing right let's, now really that that could give me any solid footing on yeah what's gonna come let's out. push in a little into the prediction territory of looking at the future let's say google does enter the space let's say they do it at the same time that the next generation of systems happens what do you think that generation looks like and what do you think the next generation looks like are do, we talking about across do, the industry? Do, yeah, or yeah, yeah stuff? Uh, uh, Xbox, Nintendo, Sony, and Google. Does anyone leave? 
Does anyone partner? Not during that first generation. I think that's that's the shakeup. I think that that's the period where we determine whether these brands can coexist or whether somebody has to go or whether somebody gets so far ahead that other people just decide they can make more money selling their software properties to Google than they can make doing something else. So this thing launches and nobody buys it. That's one possibility. I, that's most likely possibility, you in my so? opinion. And we've seen it happen with PlayStation and Xbox before, so like, I could be wrong about this, but this, to me, does not seem like it's gonna work. Okay, think about this, uh, Tim. What if tomorrow you got an email that said, oh, by the way, Google bought Epic. Yeah. And Fortnite now runs on Google's little thingamawazi, and by the way, that's the easiest, quickest way to play it now, everywhere. I mean, would, would that affect, you'd suddenly, be, even if you didn't play it on a Google platform, you'd suddenly be playing a Google game. That's true. I just feel like as big as that is, it requires 10 of those moments. But I think the they can time. make that happen. They, they can, but I don't think they will. Ah, that's, <laughs> you the, know? Yeah, yeah. that's, that's the thing is you, you look at it and like I, overall, like I'm a fan of Google, I would say. Like I like their product. Oh, yeah, they and uh, but it's things like Google Fiber. It's like, you know, they, they test little bits here. They test little mm -hmm. bits there. They, it's been years trying to like getting to where they need to go. But then you look at with the, with this potential launch, they would need it to be so buttoned up mm -hmm. to fight against these other guys that. Mm -hmm. I just can't imagine it. Again, we say that, and, and we say that with good reason, because most endeavors in this industry do fail. How many failed consoles Ooh, yeah. are out there? Oh, yeah, exactly, because it comes to mind immediately. The 3DO, the, jeez, uh, the, um, I'm not going to go down the list of, of failed consoles. There's but a there lot aren't of too many failed ones recently. Well, that's because people kind of got out of the space and went to mobile, where at least there's a perception that mm. there's a ton of money to be made with very little investment. The, the development went over to software and people like, why would I want to dump a bunch of money in a hardware company? It's, it's hard. I used to work for a uh, 911 vendor. We, we built hardware and software systems for 911 uh, relay stations. And one of the things I learned in that business was nobody ever wanted to talk about hardware. They want to talk about software, especially the money men. They wanted to talk software, 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 because software was paying some engineers and patenting some intellectual property and off you go. Hardware required maintenance and there were costs involved. And, there were, and what you could never convince these guys was you have to have hardware to run software on. Mm -hmm. And that does matter, particularly when you're talking about building the infrastructure for a software product that actually works. Mm -hmm. In the same argument, I think there's been this idea recently that, well, there's enough hardware out there people already in that space owning it, that we can concentrate on just selling software on platforms that already exist. I think Google's thrust will be probably a two-pronged attack. Hmm. They will look at software, which they own the universe on, but they will also point directly to hardware you are already holding as a great place to play their games and introduce new cost-effective, appealing hardware that's hard to turn down. Hmm. And uh, I think they may have the patience to make it work. Interesting times, my friend. This is a fascinating conversation. I had a lot of fun. Thank you very much for no it. Problem. But I, I want to turn from serious conversation into a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> uh, you invented a game last week called Mobile Game or Bullshit. Uh, we're going to do it again right now. This is a, a remix version. It is Mobile Game or Silicon Valley Startup. That's right. I'm going to play against one Kevin Coelho. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, we you, might, do we you might have, have another five? 
Uh, I do have another five prepared. Yeah, so we're going to kind of theme these sometimes. Mm -hmm. So this week, all the bullshit is Silicon Valley startups or startups of some kind. I didn't actually look up all their addresses, Mm -hmm. but close enough. Okay. Now, to understand some iOS games, Android games, are also created by startups. Mm. So if it happens to be a startup that helped fund this game, understand sometimes it's a game. Not a startup. Just think it. Okay. Got I, it. Some, we're gonna have some. We're gonna have some hair splitters out there, maybe around this. All right. But we're, if it's a game, are you ready, Kevin? Let's do it, man. Are you ready, Tim? I am. We don't have a jingle for this yet. It's okay. All Is right. Here. I mean, Number can. one. By the way, we have descriptions for each of these now. Okay. Good. You ready? Yeah. I write, I've written some descriptions. Sporkle. Sporkle. Turn your iPhone or iPod Touch, and now your iPad, into an on-the-go treasure trove of trivia. It's a game, right? Is that Sporkle. a game? Yeah. Or a startup? So all of these have game descriptions. I've are the descriptions get, all bullshit or all? I'm not going to tell I, you I, which are I, real. Are they either bullshit or? I'm real? describing all of these as games. Okay. 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 Got it. Everything's going to sound like a game. So Sporkle the game, turn. Your iPhone or iPad Touch, and now or iPod Touch, and now your iPad into an on-the-go treasure trove of trivia. I'm gonna say it's a game. You say that's a game. I also said it. Saying it's a game. Do you want the answer now? The answer or the is. End? Give us the answer. The now. answer is. It's a game. That's yeah. right. Hell yeah, Kev. Some got mobile it. game. Sparkle. The quiz game. Number two. Number two. Akmo. The ninja rope platformer. Akmo. The Ninja Rope so platform. The description is the real. Is you either, don't know. It's either the real description or something you made up. Yes. Fit, all right, perfect. One more time. What, what is the name? Akmo. The Step. Ninja Rope Platformer. Startup. Startup for sure. Akmo. O C M O. The Ninja Rope Platformer for iOS. What? It's an actual Ak- game. Oh yeah, that's a real game. Akmo the Ninja. Nice. That's the description. The Ninja Rope Platformer. That was a company that made. Like updates for Excel or something. Well, <laughs> in fact, Akmo is the Ninja Rope platform. All right, so you each got one point right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm keeping a tally here. Number, yeah, but I want to keep the audience up, up to date where we are. Number three, Nurks. Nurks. Fight the future. <laughs> See, now that sounds like a, a startup. And that sounds like their slogan. How do you spell Nurks? N-U-R-X. Oh, Jesus. I'm going to say that's a startup. You say that's a startup. Tim, what do you say? Just to make it interesting, I'm going to go game. You sure? You yeah. guys both there? Yeah. Nurks. Birth control delivered. It's a startup. Oh. Yes. Call it. Gia does that. Well, there we go. Yeah. So I guess I win. Um... <laughs> But to be clear, two to one. It's still two to one. Fight the Future was the tagline for the X-Files movie, the first one. It also works for birth control. (laughs) 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 Oh, that's really good. Oh, man. Okay. Number four. is really going to appreciate that one. (laughs) All right. Number four. Judge. But... Judge is spelled J Y D G E. Build your dystopian police. I don't think I have. To, I feel like that's a game for sure. I'm gonna go startup, bro. That's a fucking startup. So you're saying, Judge, you say 
Game. You say. I said startup. Build your dystopian police for iOS. That's right. How do you know it's a game, Andy? The one time I was on KFGD, it was one of those games out there. Yep. Yep. It was on the out this week. That's hilarious. Yeah. It's a fairly recent game. Man. Yep. My mic is on now. My mic wasn't on earlier. What's the score right now? Score is one. Three to one. Three to one. Three fucking. All right. Two to one. Three to one. You're right. All right. You got Remember it. Remember you lied and said that you also got that point, and I made All it right. clear. Well, that it you looks, didn't. It looks like this one's just for honor, then, just because honor, because uh, Kevin's already ahead. <laughs> See, oh, right. we did fuck up. Next time, we should save the answers till the end. Yeah. All right. Final one. Plan grid. Hunt the wumpus. <laughs> <laughs> plan grid is definitely a startup. Yeah, definitely a startup. But what the fuck? Hunt the wumpus. That's really good. Plan grid. Hunt the wumpus. That's a startup. Yeah, yeah that's okay, kind of a okay. game. Where'd yeah. you get Hunt the Wumpus? Hunt the Wumpus is actually the name of a very old video game, um, which is set in a grid. Uh, so it's like, why not? I'll just why not? In there. Yeah, the because sequel it's a, album from Chumbawamba. Yeah. <laughs> Plan, Plan Grid is an app for cons- or is a startup that provides software for construction sites to replace their physical blueprints. Well, there you go. There so Kevin is. wins this one. Kevin, Greg well done. Won last one it wasn't even close. I'm over two. Tune in again next week for another episode. What, what, what's next week's going to be? Next week's theme, I, I've got oh, I've got it here right now. Hold on. I should open this back up. Next week's theme is... Uh, oh, no, I closed it. Sorry. Now, I don't know what next mobile week's game theme is. Something. You'll mobile have to game find or something. Mobile game or something. I should have brought that in. Kind of Funny Games cast. Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us this week. This was a really fun episode. I enjoyed fun. it. Let us know in the comments below if you think that Google has any chance of entering the console market and actually doing anything disruptive. Or if it's even real. Or this is all real. based on rumor. Who knows? Until next week, I love you.